Hello, and welcome back to Legend of the Glory of Heroes. You're listening to episode 29 of the uh, premiere watch and uh, recap uh, podcast for the legendary 1988 science fiction OVA. I'm your host, G, and with me, my my trusty cohort, Eero. Hi, I'm still here, and I think I can hear all of our listeners laughing at us uh, after some of the things we were saying last week. Well, you know, that is the glory. That is the that is the appeal of uh, our podcast. You know, we we do not watch the next episode previews thanks to some advice we got and uh, we uh, we are going we, we record each of these podcasts before we watch the next set. So we never we we we, we go in we go into these recordings with no clue what happens next and uh All right, no foresight. Uh Yeah, could you forgive us for uh being naive enough to think that uh, to think uh, that Young and Reinhardt would have even made it to the meeting, I know, um, right? But uh, we're, we'll get into that in the recap itself. Um, we have a <sighs> we <laughs> we have an interesting trio of episodes to discuss this week. Boy, do we! Uh, yeah, boy, do we! What are they and- called, Eero? Well, uh, let's see. Episode eighty two here is titled "The Magician Doesn't Return." Episode eighty three, after the festival, and episode eighty four, a triumphant return in disappointment. Yeah, so you know, kind of a uh, you know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do our best to kind of pump ourselves up here, kind of keep this podcast the on, on the, the the entertaining brand that you've all come to know and love, but. Uh, it's hard. It's hard this yeah, week, y'all. Uh, this is a this is a hard ep- trio of episodes. When episode know? two opens with like the first proper like cold open of season three, it's like skipping the opening, playing the piano version so we can stick some more footage in there. Yeah, you know, you yeah. know some shit's about to go down. Yeah, this season I think we've noted this before. This season kind of kind of had less cold opens than season two, but. You know, when this episode, when this show, when this OVA decided to bust it out, we knew that uh, something, something big was about to go down this week. Yeah, and so uh, you know, everyone on Ezerlone, uh, after sleeping for like forty-eight hours straight, uh, finally convenes to talk about the uh, the message they received for the peace talks. Yes, you know, we we they talk about how, like, in many ways, this is like Yang has achieved his strategic goal in this battle. You know, like. This was the original objective. Like they, right. they had no illusions that they could actually beat Reinhard, like in mm-hmm. a in a fair fight, and that all of this battle was basically to try and drag the empire into uh, into diplomacy. And so, uh, yeah, you know, this is a uh, in many ways, this is a uh, this is the ideal scenario. You know, of course, uh, Mirai here, you know, uh, rightfully points out that you know, I wonder if, uh, well, basically. Mirai, Shenkop, uh, and Poplin <laughs> basically have the exact conversation that we had at the end of the last podcast yes. about uh, if this is a trap being set by Reinhardt, you know, like we have Shenkop saying that like that wouldn't be Reinhardt's personality. I don't think he would do that. Poplin helpfully points out that while the Kaiser might not do that, the Kaiser's subordinates are another uh, entity, you know, entirely. And like a lot of those guys are a lot more uh, 
bloodthirsty. Yeah, yeah, especially when it comes to Yang Wen Li. Yes, seen as how uh, you know every third person in the Empire has sworn a blood blood oath to uh, kill Yang Wen Li. Yes, but uh, point is that one way or another, this is a risk they have to take because uh, you know. Yes. They, as we kind of saw with the last battle, you know, like. It's you know I want to say, you know I always wanted to say that like in Yang's entire career Reinhardt could never beat him, but mm-hmm. like I think if I'm being entirely fair, like if if we count Vermillion as a win for Yang, then like on some level like I think we have to begrudgingly admit that like eventually this battle would have been a win for Reinhardt. Like yeah, you know like it would have taken a long time. It would have probably if you know there would have been a lot more casualties, but like. Eventually, Reinhardt's wave tactics would overwhelm uh, yes. Yang's fleet. So, like in many ways, this is the this is the respite that they have so desperately needed. Meanwhile, we kind of return to the Empire side of things, where yes. uh, we find out that Reinhardt's ceasefire was surprising for like even the Imperial forces. Yes. Like everybody, including us, you know, the, the, your <laughs> podcast hosts, were surprised right. that Reinhardt would call for this. You know, it was so out of character Act- that we were almost like by Reinhardt. Uh, yes, they we confirmed. find out that. Yes, we found out this week that Reinhardt did indeed send that ceasefire order. However, the reasoning, um, a little worrying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Reinhardt uh, tells Hildegard that uh, he had dream of Kirk about Kirky eyes, and Kirky eyes admonished him in his dream and asked him to not fight anymore with Yang Wen Li. <laughs> it's <laughs> a little we much. All, we all kind of side eye each other. Yeah, yeah. Basically, Reinhardt sees Kirky eyes in a fever dream, and. Uh, Thankfully, Dream Kirky Eyes uh, stays in character with yes. the real Kirky Eyes because, uh, yes, convinces Reinhardt to uh, to abandon this war or at least to speak with Yang Wenli. Yes. And uh, you know, this is like this is the thing that like I think we say time and time again. Like, yes, like author- you know, authoritarianism has like its advantages, but like I feel like and like this time it worked out for us. But I feel like this exact event is exactly why we should all be deathly afraid of like, like he despots who hold all the authority. He completely did a 180 on like his policy. Uh, on a whim, because, literally on a, on a whim. Yeah. And that's really dangerous. Like that's like that one person just what if he decided to turn or like, what if he had a fever dream with Oberstein and Oberstein was like, Take away all of the welfare, right? And Reinhardt, right. like, oh man, okay, I guess uh, Overstein told me to in my dream, and so yeah. I guess I'll do that. Send it, out the order. Yes, it's it's a little worrying, and again, this is why I kind of speculated last week. I wonder if uh, Reinhardt's health is as uh, is all yeah. there, you know, even even when he's not sick. But anyways, so. You know, he calls for the ceasefire. We kind of get a scene with uh, with uh, Mittermeier and uh, Roenthal, I think. Uh, Mittermeier is uh, concerned about this plan because, uh, you know, he he is concerned that, like, maybe Fahrenheit or Steinmetz, the two admirals that were killed in battle in the last three episodes, uh, that their subordinates might, uh, you know, might be out for blood, you know? That yeah. there's a high chance that, like, despite Reinhardt sending that order, that, like, there are elements of Reinhardt's own, like, admiralty who, you know, 
Would just like, kill that guy if they had the chance. Yes, pull a gun on Young at the negotiation table. And, uh... Yeah. And, Ren- you know. and uh, Reinthal suggests that they could just uh, wait it out, or wait for Young to die on his own instead of trying to kill him. Yes, but, uh, yes. But that the same goes for the Reich. Uh, if the Kaiser... If they wait long enough and the Kaiser dies, then there's no telling what the stability of uh, the Empire would be. Yes, yes. And, and so there's this idea that, no, we cannot we cannot just, like, we cannot just build a wall around Iserloan and just, like, wait it out, you know? Like, we, we need to end this, fa- we need to end this conflict one way or another. Uh, meanwhile, we kind of return to Iserloan, uh, where kind of Yang decides that, okay, like, I'm gonna go meet with Reinhardt, because, like, that's what he wants. To. Like, even if it's a trap, we gotta tr- we gotta take it. You know, Julian offers to be the bait. He offers to kind of meet with uh, Reinhard in Young's mm-hmm. stead, but Young, you know, says that like Reinhard would see that as an insult. You know, knowing the you know knowing Reinhard and you know kind of who he is as a person, he would insist on meeting Young. You know, as an equal. Yeah. So Young's gonna have to go with him. Like they're in a precarious position because if they like do anything that Reinhard could construe as disrespectful. It's totally within his rights to just remove the uh, possibility of peace talks. Yes, yes. So basically, Yang is kind of at a disadvantage here. He has to basically, as we find out with this conversation, you know, we find out, that, you know, tragically in retrospect, that this conversation is about basically Yang explicitly approaching the negotiation table with his hands tied behind his back. Like, everybody, including Julian, kind of volunteers to be like the guy like like to accompany young on this negotiation kind of go down the list from uh, the bigger big names down to the b team right like shen cop poplin like you know uh even like uh ryan castlenewen right everybody basically volunteers like hey i'll be your adjutant i'll follow you to the talks and like you just everybody keeps like shouting down those ideas because like no Shen Cup you can't go you you are like the commander of the ground forces Castle New you handle logistics you have to stay here blah 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 Frederica is ill in bed yes like Poplin it's too much of a loose cannon right, right I like this like Poplin I doubt you're gonna I doubt they're gonna need a fighter pilot uh, in in this like, peace talks we need, but... we need somebody with the good sense of Murai to stay behind and make right. sure nobody flies off and there's this idea that like i mean in, in some ways it's it, you know it's a heartwarming conversation because it's just like everybody here is important everybody is needed you know like but also like you i feel like this is when i absolutely realized what would happen this episode is, yes yes you realize like, that something about is about uh, to go wrong <laughs> because yang is not yang is not bringing anybody important with him you know, uh, mm-hmm. no, no shade on Patrachev or Bloomheart or a uh, Sewell, but uh, they are the three that are assigned to go with Yang Wenli to the peace talks. Yes, and I'm not saying they're not important, but they're kind of not that important. Right. Um, the, the notable thing is that these are three characters who are like characters that we are aware of. We know their names, we recognize them when they're on screen, but there are characters who have not contributed a lot to the like overarching narrative of Legend of the Galactic Heroes. And again, it's very striking that Young is only taking those 3. Um yeah. Anyways, uh you know, we have a we have a conversation between Young and Julian. You know, Julian still wishes he could have gone, you know, kind of asking like Young, yeah. why why didn't why didn't you, why didn't why, how come I'm not coming? Like, you know, do you think I'm not good enough? And you know, Young is like 
you know, just like he's just telling Julian, look, kid, like I need you to stay here. Like, you know, like count on you to be here when I'm not. Yeah, like we can't both be in the same place. Like, you know, you're you're you are your own man, and like don't underestimate how important you are to this war effort. Like, mm-hmm. you know, in many ways, you know, I mean. Yang being, you know, very conveniently prophetic here is like, well, we'll need you someday in the future, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have a little bit, we have a good bit here where he's teasing, teasing Julian a bit of like, okay, be real with me. Like, who do you like more? Like, Kazanlu's daughter or Shenkov's daughter? Because, like, depending on which one you pick, that's going to severely affect my relationship with those two as well, so. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, which is pretty good, but, uh. As you do. Uh, yeah, so, you know, Young and Julian kind of uh, leave on that note. Uh, we kind of return to... Reinhard, uh, uh, Reinhard gets a message from Oberstein that basically says, why don't you just shoot Young when Lee over peace talks? It'll be really easy. Once again... lure him in by sending a, sending a messenger and then, uh, you know, just uh, shoot him and use as a Casus Belli to... F- finally wipe out everyone right. as part of Young's camp. Yes, they basically Oberstein suggests that why don't we just send like someone other than you as a representative? Then once they shoot Young, like we can just claim that they have taken that general as hostage and then we can just blow them up. And it's like Oberstein is <sighs> Yep. And Oberstein, Oberstein is even literally says, even says like if nobody wants to do it, I'll do it. Right. Like Oberstein is once again doing the things that we said in the last podcast are like the things you really should not do because like, <laughs> like you do not want to poison the wells like this when it comes to ne- negotiation, you know, and, uh, you know, I- I'm so for- I, mean, I suppose for Ober- has a point that like, who else would there be left to negotiate with after that? Right. Well, yes. I mean, the thing that, you know, in Oberstein's favor is like the reason why you don't like cr- double cross people during negotiation is because ostensibly you, the person you are negotiating with are not the only factions left in the world. The idea being that if you double cross, fa- you know, if you're faction A, you double f- cross faction B, faction C through F still exist to like, and we'll you be know. like, whoa, I'm not going to hang out with that guy. Yeah, anymore. but if only A and B exist, like, I do get where Oberstein is coming from. I just think that, once mm-hmm. again, like, this sets an extremely poor precedent. And, like, I think I am glad that, like, Reinhardt and his admirals recognize this. Um, I do like, however, that Mittermeier and Royenthal do briefly consider letting Oberstein go ahead with this plan, if just because it would take care of both Yangwen Lee and Oberstein. Which would, you know, yes. in one one fell swoop, get rid of the Empire's two greatest, <laughs> yes, two greatest thorns, which, you know, uh, yep. is uh, pretty and, uh, funny. And but, so uh, Yang aboards the Aleta 2, uh, the yes. cruiser, to head out, and a bunch of the Alpha Seal politicians go the, as well. What, because... looks like the, what looks like basically the entirety of Alpha Seal's, like, civilian leadership decides to attend... Like we I mean, have a good, we have a conversation here. Right. Sorry, Eero. For the chain of command, right? Like, right? Like for for official purposes, even yes. though Yang Wenli is, you know, the uh, the main person, uh, he is technically the military commander of the Alpha Seal Revolutionary yes. Group. Yes, I mean, or whatever. the point is that this is a very young move. Yang, it's a very young move to make sure to because he does not want to set a precedent. He does not because for un tragically because of just the events in his life for for a better or worse 
Yang has legitimate reasons to be afraid of setting a precedent that instills fear in the civilian government. Right. You know, he does not want people to actually like start to believe that he might one day like wrest control from the civilian government. So once again, to much to his detriment, he defers to the civilian government. He lets them come yeah. along, you know, and, and they uh, mention that he's even like already guilty of accepting peace talks without consulting them because yes. that's already overstepping his authority. Yes. And that, to make a good show of faith, he is explicitly bringing it, bringing minimal to none to no security staff with him on this on this ship. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he wants you know that Yang wants to make sure it is communicated to both the civilian government and to Reinhardt as well that he is approaching them with open arms. This is why he is leaving in the letter two instead of a larger like battleship. Uh, this is yeah. the reason why he is bringing a minimal crew. Again, like based on what we see in this episode, literally the only FPA staff, the only actual military staff on this ship is Yang Wenli and the three adjutants he brings with him. No security staff, no no Rosenritter, right. like I, I mean, other than Bloomheart. Like, you know, no power armor, that's for sure. <laughs> you yeah. know, purely like, you know, sidearms and like you know, civilian, like, uniform, like, mm-hmm. uh, dress dress code here. And, like, it's at this part of the episode that I think that Iro and I began to get a little bit nervous. <laughs> uh, that uh, they would make such an em- a large emphasis on uh, how, unarmed how unarmed and yeah. how unescorted that Yang Wenli is, is, is going. Like, Yang Wenli is literally not even taking, like, any military escort with him. He is going by his ship, by himself. Yep. And uh, uh, he stops off Frederica's like medical room. Where she's like weirdly so, quarantined for some reason. Like oh, for contagious in a closed space. I guess, yeah. Capital. It's it's just it just it just seemed a bit much for what seemed to be at worst like a fever or something, but right. you know. It was the eighties. Um, yes, but I do like we have a really, you know, a really lovely, heartwarming conversation Frederica. here. Frederica, I'm gonna go meet the most handsome man in the universe. So she uh, moves moves some of the hair. She like fixes his hair. So she's like, "You need to fix your hair. You're going to go meet the second most handsome man in the universe." It's very good. It's very good. And then the narrator starts saying some real fucking ratchet <laughs> shit, and we <laughs> How realize much Julian agonize over this parting in later days. Thanks, narrator. Like the first of many times in this three episodes where the narrator says some shit that is just maybe I didn't need to know that. Maybe you didn't need to say that, narrator. Like, yeah. <sighs> uh, so Yang departs, um, and uh, and a little bit of time gets passes. Invested. Yes. He's alone gets a message from Boris Konev. Uh, I haven't seen him in a while. The undutiness. They've been investigating Fazan uh, for the past long time. Uh, and they've discovered the assassination plot uh, f- by the Earth Call and Andrew Fork. Yes. Boris Konev tells them Andrew Fork is on the loose and he plans to take Yang's life. You know, this uh, sends the Isolone crew uh, into 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 gear. You know, they they try to send out six battleships to rush after Yang to warn him. You know, we are told mm-hmm. that uh, they are unable to contact the Leta Two. You know that yeah. uh, some jamming technology has been employed or something. Mm-hmm. Um, we cut over to the Leta Two, where Yang is playing a literal three dimensional chess with his adjutants, um, beating all of them. 
yes, he has beat all of them, you know, and uh, with that, Yang decides to call it a night. He, uh, he decides to uh, take some sleeping pills. For the first time we have seen on screen, Yang takes some sleeping pills before yeah. settling down with a nice book. In a the, long, uh, yeah, the Magic of Summer by one Yoshiki Tanaka. You know, good to know that uh, like famous authors have endured through the ages of Legend of Galactic yeah. Heroes. A vintage product there. Yes. But uh, after taking those sleeping pills, again, after he has taken the sleeping pills and is ready oh. to settle in for the night, he receives a message that... Uh, you know, they uh, have that Andrew Fork is coming to get him. Yes, specifically, however, this is where things begin to go kind of uh, haywire. Is that they have received an Empire trans what 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 appears to be an Empire coded transmission yeah. that uh, Andrew Fork plans to assassinate Yang Wen Li. Um, so we see it happen. We have this armed merchant ship with Fork, and yep. uh, the Empire ships. Come, come, you know, kind of trailing from behind, you know, behind Fork, and uh, they blast the Fork. Hell. Yep. Yes, and uh, this is the part where we begin to realize, oh no, this was all part of the plan. The, yeah, uh, we keep we keep getting multiple scenes that specifically explicit, explicitly show us that Yang is not operating at peak mental capacity. Tired. He is tired. He is distracted. He is half drugged, but from the sleeping pills, he is not. He is not in his right mind, and and as a result, he is getting sloppy here. Uh, the Empire right. ships say, "Hey, it's a good thing we caught up in time and totally killed that crazy Andrew Fork. Great timing, huh? So, uh, mm-hmm. can we board your ship?" And Yang Wenli is like, "Yeah, sure, whatever. Like, I don't, I, I want to go back to sleep." Yeah, and uh, please meet with uh, the representative council leader. Yes, I'm yes. gonna. Go back to my room or whatever. Go back yes. to my lounge. And in case you hadn't figured it out already, Andrew Bate was always the bait. He was always meant to like be the uh the fall guy. The fall guy, you know. And these Empire guys are actually uh, Earth cult members in disguise. They uh they yeah. board the ship and murder the entire Alpha Seal civilian government. Uh I- just <laughs> blast these dudes. You know, I got I gotta give a little the bit of credit gun. to Romsky here. Where he's just like, don't point that gun at me. That's not how negotiations work. Before they just fucking <laughs> blast him in the head. It's, oh, Romsky. Uh, you know, Romsky was a... Uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't really the smartest guy in the world. But, you, you know, it's, he seemed like someone who... Uh, seemed like he broadly had his heart in the right place. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think he truly believed in the cause, for better or worse. But, uh, yeah, so the uh, the Earth Cold guys began fighting their way through the ship. Um, again, because there are only three adjutants here. Um, you know, they try to, you know, they, they, they get to a shootout with the earth cult, you know, uh, soul and Bloomheart try to buy time, you know, to yeah. you know, get Yang to safety. Um, even uh, one, a single Rosen Ritter is not, not really enough to fight off this many dudes. I mean, again, this is like Bloomheart's not in his armor and he only has, you know, yeah. his pistol. You know, I think that like, look, I'm not, I'm not saying that like, if he was, was in armor, he could have single-handedly like, you know, fucking killed these Earth Cult guys. But I think he could have done a lot better, you know, like, but I think the point is that like, these guys are like, I mean, again, these, these guys, these guys are literally in their uniforms with their sidearms, you know, no weapons, like no Zephyr particle, like counter defensive, you know, you know, nothing, nothing. This, this ship doesn't even have like, you know, automated turrets or like lockdown controls, like, Right. Like you literally cannot even like lock the doors on this ship or something. It's like it's 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 almost like insulting how like poorly like how poor this ship is is built for like defenses. But um 
You yep. know, and, uh, uh, Atrachev sacrifices himself to Ye Yang and through a hallway and gets shot the hell up. Yes. Uh, also, Soul and Bloomheart also are f- uh, mortally wounded uh, during this shootout. Yes. Um, you know, and, they uh, barely managed to, like, you know, get the door closed and, you know, Yang out of that room just in time. But, you know, the uh, the Earth Cult are, on, are in hot pursuit. And again, we are repeatedly shown shots of Yang, like, barely even, like, cognitive of what's going on. Like, right. like those sleeping pills are those sleeping pills are some strong shit they're kicking in and like he's barely even conscious at this point yeah and um, so uh with the chen cop strip gets in with the rosen ritter mashengo and julian and all of them yes, they do a forcible boarding of the letter two yes uh, we get a great scene where shen cop literally kicks a dude's teeth in with his fucking power armored boot yes um you know they're trying to find out where yang is on the ship you know they Unfortunately, they're dealing with the Earth Cult, you know, and uh, no luck, no no luck interrogating them. So the the Rose and Ritter are kind of just forced to, you know, fight their way murder, through murder the their way through this crowd yeah, so, uh, in a desperate and, attempt to find Yang Wenli. Yep, Yang Wenli, who's just walking down some hallway, uh, thinking to himself, "Well, uh, I don't know where I'm supposed to go." Yeah, I like, guess Yang, Yang, Yang Wenli, like, Frederica. Yeah, like, Yang Wenli is, like, totally lost. Like, he's, like, his brain is, like... You can tell that, like, he's just not operating at his usual speed. Like, you know, you, you hear... Uh, so, uh, Julian starts to starts shouting Yang's name. He starts mm-hmm. saying, you know, Yang, it's me, Julian, I'm here on the ship. Yang can't quite tell if he's hearing things or if he thinks Julian's actually there. So, like, it's just, you know, right. it's, it's really... You know, we were just kind of on the edge of our seats here. Like, I think, I think at this point we could kind of tell where things were going, but like, it was just, it was like watching a car crash in slow motion. Um, yep. And some Earth cult, some nameless, faceless Earth cult goon. Yeah, so Young rounds a corner and uh, into another hallway, and uh, as you said, Eero. Yeah, some nameless goon uh, sees him, takes a shot. Gets him right through the thigh. Yeah, and, gets uh, him right in the uh, the femoral artery. You know, just it's and, and the dude uh, runs off. Uh, yes, yes, doesn't even decide to like make sure he finished the job. Like somehow, somehow both parties in this shooting kind of knew what had, what exactly had happened there. Um, so, yep. despite and being just a leg shot artery. or quote unquote just Maybe a leg shot, you know. Just- uh, you know, again, hits the femoral artery. Yang begins bleeding out immediately. You know, um, he tries to right. he tries to tourniquet the wound, but like, you know, the bleeding just will not stop. You know, the uh, the writing is kind of on the wall here. Yang's just like dragging himself through this dark hallway all by himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just and, uh, thinking his head. Says, of- Miracle Yang became bloody Yang. This is yes. a lot of blood, but it's not. It's incomparable to the amount of blood I've shed personally. Yes, even in his final moments, Yang finds enough time to make some wry comments about the situation. <laughs> um, he, uh, you know, he apologizes to you know to Julian and Frederica that uh, he would not be able to return to them, and uh, kind of Julian uh, Yang Yang collapses, and just as Julian. And, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just a mere minutes later, I think, uh, 
Julian rounds the corner and uh, and finds Yang, but uh, yeah, it is, we uh, end the episode on uh, just yep, Yang's. It is it is all on the against the wall, yes, and, uh, and uh, it is it is too late. Says, narrator says that uh, Yang would lead died. Yes, as I said, it's it's just it's too late, and. Uh, and episode eighty three starts with uh, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> are you really just gonna move past this? Uh, <laughs> I literally this is where I put the historical tangent, man. Oh shit! Oh my god, you are historical tangent, me. No, now you've like ruined the pacing of this. What, what? the? No, I was like slowly building up to this I'm sorry. by like oh, like I had this whole speech ready for the end of episode eighty two, and like you've you've ruined it. You've ruined it. Christ on the clock. And so <sighs> Julian arrives too late to save Young Wen Lee. And yeah, so that's how it happens, you know. I think uh I think we all I think we all we all knew that like Yang Wen Lee was not going to survive this show. I think we we don't we didn't have any illusions about that. Um, but hell, I I don't think any of us even just. I think most of us knew he wasn't even going to survive season three. But uh, I don't think any of us. I don't think any of us quite. In, in many ways, this ending is is quite fitting. But also, I don't think any of us quite expected that this is the way it would go. One might say it was surprising yet inevitable. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. You know, um, like, you know, it's, it's funny, right? Like I, in, in any other show, I, I think that, uh, I think that in any other show, and, and uh, the the events of this episode would feel contrived, you know, like, oh, Yang goes without security. Yang goes in a small ship. Yang goes without bodyguards. You know, Yang takes the sleeping pill. You know, all of this stuff. Like, I think in any other show, I think a lot of this would have felt contrived. But I think that as always, despite how much this episode frustrates me, you know, how much it, it saddens me. As always, this show does a magnificent job of tying these events together in a way that, you know, as you said, Eero, it it felt inevitable. The events that happened, they could only happen in this order. They could only happen, it could only go in this direction because of how well uh, it has all been set up. Right. I think because of the type of show Legend of Galactic Heroes is, where that has a very heavy emphasis on history and has, has asides like the narrator saying historians would argue over like the true meaning of this moment, et cetera, et cetera. It creates the vibe that this was the only way things could have gone. Even if like all of these circumstances lined up in this incredibly specific manner that allowed it to happen. Like that's just the way things be sometimes. Yes, you know, like, you know, yeah, totally, and and I think that is why, like, we constantly say Legend of Galactic Heroes, like, it speaks from such a like, such a familiarity with like human history, and like, you know, just the way, 
the way history just turns out some sometimes, you know, is like it is not always this logical progression of events, you know. It is like in many ways, like in a galaxy as large as Legend of Gal- the Galactic Heroes, the idea like somehow Andrew Fork was able to intercept Yang just as like like the the series of events that had to happen to allow this, right? Like the Earth Cult had to know how the battle was going. The Earth Cult had to know that eventually a ceasefire would happen. They had to send out Andrew Fork and their assassins, like just in time to catch Yang Wenli, like on his way to the peace talks, but not before he had reached Reinhard. Like, like there are so many reasons why this assassination should have failed, ranging mm-hmm. from just Mueller like had, Mueller had to arrive at the Battle of Vermilion at that one point in time to prevent Yang from killing Reinhard right then. Right, right. Like it's just like these events, like they feel like they are so unbelievable. Like how the hell could things line up that well? And like the thing you learn from history is that like they usually don't, but then when they do, the rare times that they do, those are the moments that kind of reverberate through history. You know, like it's it's uh, <sighs> the more you learn about like the history of like notable assassinations in in human history, the more you realize that like actually like. of assassinations fail for, like, similar reasons, you know? Just, like, poor coordination, poor communication, the security forces, like, doing their actual jobs, like, the the assassins themselves getting wet feet, uh, cold feet, like, there are a variety of reasons why normally assassinations fail more often than they succeed. But the few times they do succeed, it's... It's just all the events kind of come together in a way that, like, it sounds it sounds like a story. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that is what makes history such a deeply compelling subject to, to study. You know, uh, the reason I bring this all up is because in many ways, like, Yang's, Yang's assassination, his, his tragic demise here in episode 82, reminds me in some ways of the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar, the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand is uh, the event that essentially kicks off World War One. Right. His, that's uh, that's that's about the extent that I recall from public schooling. Yes. His someone killed Archduke Franz Ferdinand, and then this country had to go to war because they were allied with this country, and then this other country had to go to war because they were allied with this country, and the, this like. Other dude way over here had to go because they were allied with one of those other ones that was allied with another one. And World War One happened. Yes, essentially, I'm not here to give a World War One lesson, so I could go into more depth, but Eero has basically given a a, a, a decent enough basic summation of the, the events that kick off as a, as a result of this assassination. But the assassination itself is in some ways almost a is almost a comical event in the way it was carried out, but, I mean, despite it being comical, it still led to, like, the deaths of millions. But the events themselves are almost absurd in their, in the way they they happened. So, the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand was planned and carried out by a Serbian nationalist group known as the Black Hand. Um, 
Long story short, uh, Serbia or the Serbians were uh, a, a part of the Austro, Austro, uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire, um, a kind of uh, confederation of multiple smaller Baltic states that kind of uh, was largely ruled by uh, uh, the Austrians, I suppose. Um, and they wanted to uh, declare independence and eventually join with the then nascent nation of Yugoslavia. Um the assassination was car- was planned to be carried out on a day when Archduke Franz Ferdinand was doing a public appearance, and uh, you know the thing that like royals do: drive through the streets, wave at the people, meet with the mayor, blah blah blah. Um, the original plan was that along the route that Archduke Franz Ferdinand was going to traverse, uh, there was going to be three assassins on that route, each uh, uh, armed with bombs intended to, uh, uh, well. Basically, blow up, blow up yeah. the car, you know? The first two assassins basically chickened out at the last second. They they okay. saw the car coming. They could not bring themselves to commit the act. They chickened out. Human nature, huh? Um, sure. The third Look, assassin... Kill, like, just, just killing a man. Yes, but it, it, it very much speaks to, like, the very real, like, the very, the, the very like, grounded reality of human nature is that uh, training people to do these things is actually quite difficult. Um, the third guy, however, did throw his bomb. Um, unfortunately, the bomb bounced off the folded back of the convertible of the car back onto the street uh, and the timing of it was off. So it bounced away down the road and then blew up, uh, still disabling the car and injuring a dozen people, but uh, not killing the, the Duke himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, again. Just, okay. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll just bolt there, man. Yes, like. yes. Just, uh, just kind of a, a comedy of errors kind of happening here. Um, the assassin, realizing his plot had failed attempted to swallow a cyanide pill and threw himself into a nearby river in an attempt to drown himself. However, the cyanide pill was past the expiration date and just induced a violent vomiting. And the river Uh was less than a foot deep because it was the summer during the dry season. So, uh, he was quickly apprehended. Uh, well, after this event, the Duke decided to uh, take a sudden turn in their original itinerary to visit the wounded from the bombing instead of their originally planned route. He decided to uh, basically take a sudden turn at the road, but uh, due to a miscommunication error, uh, others' drivers took uh, the exact opposite turn, um, leaving huh. Archduke's uh, car largely uh, unprotected. Uh, At the same time, uh, Galvrio Prinkip, the man who would eventually succeed in assassinating the Duke, um, uh, was making his own plans, uh, unaware that the Archduke himself had uh, made new plans. He made a plan, assuming that based on the Archduke's original plan, he would eventually go down this road, the road he was on, on his return trip. And so he decided to to, uh, stalk out the area uh, by a sandwich shop. Um, at the same time, the Archduke, Duke's car, uh, made its way down this very same road, passing this very same sandwich shop, when 
the driver realized that they had gone the wrong way and that they would need to stop the car and make Uh a U-turn. At this very moment, he stopped the car basically 10 feet away from Prinkip, who realized who had just driven right up to him on the sidewalk. He walked up to the car, blasted the Duke at point blank, and succeeded in kicking off one of the greatest human conflicts in, in, our, in, in history. <laughs> well then, man, uh, so if you, <laughs> yeah, just total coincidence yes. of... I mean... You know, this, 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 this. Yes, yes. It's it, it's a slightly sensationalized version of the events, but, you know, because at the end of the day, these people were still here with the plan to kill the Duke. But right. just the way it actually happened is so, like, the events that play out are just so, like, they're so fucking janky. You're like, right. this can't be right. Right, like this is this can't be right. This can't be how one of the most violent conflicts in human history actually happened. And it's like, well, well, dear reader, that's exactly how it happened. And as we fade out to the credits, we say, "Truth is stranger than fiction." Yes, and so, like, in many ways, like Yang's assassination was a a far more competent affair. But like, it just reminds me of like, like the, their plan worked. Right, Just, but their plan worked only because of the variety of like mistakes that Yang and the FPA yeah. made. You know, like if Yang had literally just I don't know brought like more bodyguards, or had brought a larger ship, or had not taken those sleeping pills, and like had not been half drugged, like right, who knows how this plan could have gone? Right, like this plan had so many points of failure, and it worked because. I I hate to admit it, but like because Yang basically fell asleep at the wheel, and it's tragic, you know. Like I don't think any of us ever thought that like oh Yang would go out swinging, you know. We didn't think oh Yang's gonna like fucking pull a bucock and like do a suicidal charge on Reinhard, but you know we did not think that like Yang was gonna go down like you know fucking double fisting pistols on top of like a body uh, like a pile of like you know Empire corpses, but like right. we all thought it would be a I don't know. More like, dignified than this. More dignified than this. Like dying half drugged, alone in the dark in a hallway. Like right, just bleeding out. Bleeding out. Like it's it, it truly is tragic. And it is with those events that we are then forced to contend with the events of episode th- uh, 83 now. Indeed. Uh, where we just immediately start with Julian finding the corpse of Yang Wenli and uh, not having a good time. Julian uh, does not take it well. Knees shaken, you know, yeah. falls, falls to his knees. He sees uh, some uh, uh, some more Earth Cult guys kind of round the corner and uh, goes to town. Julian pulls a Shen Cop here and just kind of murders the shit out of them. Uh, just obliterates them. Brutalizes their corpses. It takes one, one Louis Mashengo to 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 kind of swoop in and restrain um, Julian. Kind of tell yeah, you know, get your yeah. get it together, man. Like you know, who's who's going to carry Yang's corpse back to Iserlone if not you? Like, right. I don't know if I've ever appreciated Mashengo's like totally level headedness 
like as much as in this moment. Yeah, like bless Mashenko. Like you know that like of course he's got to be hurting about this too. Everybody in this episode, like the big theme of this episode, is just how much this death hurts everybody. Like not just on the typical level of like oh who will lead us now? Who will come up with our like genius plans? It um, it hurts on the level of like how much Yang meant to these people and like you know like I ain't gonna lie like when. When Yang died in the last episode, I think Iro and I were both just kind of just like, yep, we kind of thought this might happen. Right. Like we were kind of like stunned, right? We were like stunned but resigned. You know, we were yeah. we were like, wow, I I can't believe this happened. But I think it is this episode in which like oh, yeah. seeing everybody react to Yang's death is I think what made episode 83 single-handedly like like I've had a, I've had a week away from this episode to kind of think about this, and I think I can still confidently say eighty three is one of the hardest, oh yeah, like episodes of fiction I've ever had to watch, like on an emotional level. Like it's, but even just thinking about it now, like you know, I, there are things like there is a lump rising in my throat just thinking about like the way people react to it. Like like Julian here is like you know going through the stages of grief, you know, like anger and denial and bargaining, like just. He cannot bring himself to believe this has I, happened. That, like, is, isn't it my fault? Right, blaming himself. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, like, fucking... We, we, we cut to Shankop. They've cleared out the Earth cults. We find Bloomheart. Yeah, we captured a few of them somehow. They find Bloomheart is actually still alive. He's barely hanging in there. He he asks if... He asks if Yang's okay. Shankop doesn't know the news yet, so he's like... Don't worry, I got Julian on the job. Like, fucking Yang will be fine, you know? Mm-hmm. And Bloomheart kind of passes with a smile on his face, like, think, you know, knowing that he died. He died saving Yang, or so he thinks. And mm-hmm. uh, Julian uh, Julian kind of find, walks into the room carrying Yang's body. And mm-hmm. Shenkop being Shenkop, like, you know, this is like, it's like the most cliche thing, right? Like, but it's so well Quit done. Playing around, guys. Right, like Shenkop, because the, but I think it's, like, it's cliche, but also like you know that's what Shenkop would do because like that's that would be Shenkop's way of dealing with grief, where he's like, "This is a real bad play you guys are throwing." I think that's like his line actually is like, right. you know, like you guys aren't cut. I know I didn't sign up to be in a tragedy. Right. Like I didn't sign up to be in a tragedy or something, and it's like, you know, it's like, like bless Shenkop. Honestly, like Shenkop really steps up to the plate this episode. Just like. You know this hurts him, like you know this hurts him, because you know because like we don't see it as often, and because Shenkop doesn't show it as often, but like Shenkop, Shenkop loved Yang as much as any, any any as anybody else on that ship. Like he did, mm-hmm. like he respected Yang. Like you know, he followed Yang to the ends of the earth. You know, he he went yep. up, he but went up against not a military prison. Yeah, he went up against. He blew up an FPA fucking like escort to save Yang Wenli. You know, like. Shenkop was maybe Shenkop was maybe one of like maybe short of Julian, the most loyal person in in Yang's camp, and like mm-hmm. but also like he's a man with like years of experience under his belt, so he's like, all right, like escort the wounded, uh, gotta deal with this. We gotta deal with this. Like we're returning to Iserlone, uh, preserve Yang's body. You know, we find out that Soul has barely survived. Well. <laughs> Right, so he's severely injured, but still alive. Severely injured, but still alive. Um, 
The narrator notes that uh, while they took the bodies of Yang and Patrachev and Bloomheart, uh, they did not take the bodies of the Alpha Seal politicians. Right, which would invite later criticism. <laughs> which is like incredibly Galactic Hero's statement to and make. It, yes, a very Galactic Hero statement to make. I appreciate it. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, I like that statement because it's like a tiny microcosm of like, on one hand, like, of course, like, this would be the equivalent of like, you know, I don't know, if like, if if in the Lincoln assassination, right, like they, I don't know, like if more people than Lincoln had been hurt, like they they escorted Lincoln, but they forgot to bring the other people with them. Like it's it's actually a, a hugely unprofessional move on their part, but also kind of speaks to like how grave of the situation, like how much Yang's death dominates their mindset. That like mm-hmm. in all likelihood, they did not leave the Alpha Seal politicians' bodies there on purpose. It's probably just it's they. Just- le- was not what they were thinking about. Right, they the literally forgot because, like, such a much more big event had happened. Uh, but yeah, so Shen Cop is like doing his best to keep the Rosen Ritter in check. Right, like the, the Rosen Ritter guys are like, hand us the prisoners. They're Earth Cold people. They're not going to tell us anything anyway. Let's just beat the shit out of them. Yes, uh, yes. Like, and Shen Cop, like, well, they say specifically, we should throw these guys into our fucking, like, nuclear reactor, or our fission reactor. And Shen Cop's yeah. way of calming down is, calm down, we still got to interrogate them. Also, we have an even bigger fission reactor back at Iserload, so. Yes. <laughs> like, so they're back in line. So, hold up a bit. But, like, you can tell that, like, Shen Cop, if Shen Cop were, like, left to his own devices, he would also fucking beat these people to death with his bare hands and he's just barely keeping it together um we have a really good what maybe one of my favorite conversations like in in these three episodes between julian and shankop you know julian is still like blaming himself he's still like what do we do we're done here like this is it this is it for the fpa Mm -hmm. and shankop is the one who's like he's keeping it together he's like no like when we get back we are going to need to uh elect a new leader we are going to need to uh, send a message to Reinhard to explain why we're not at the peace talks. Um, we're going to need to reorganize our leadership, like, you know, all this stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like, you can tell he's hurting, but also like, you know, like Julian has grown up a lot. He has, but like, this Still is, kid. Yeah, like, this is a little bit reductive, but like Julian and Shen Kup's reaction to Yang's death is the difference between a boy and a man, like in terms of their life experiences, like, mm-hmm. Like Shankop is hurting just as much, but he is like focused. You know, he is he's he, able he, to. He's able to like think of all right. What are the things that need to be done now? Right. Or if nothing else, he is using this as a crutch to help him get through this. Is just focusing on what needs to be taken care of. And Shankop finally finally brings up the biggest thing of all, which is uh, well, who who's going to tell Frederica because mm-hmm. she doesn't know yet. Um, they. Get back to, hey, get back to Israel alone. In case you thought this episode was done with like fucking seeing very tragic reactions to Yang's death, uh, now it's Kazanu's turn. Yep, uh, he's also not having a good time. You know, like he's like he's you know, so much younger than me. It's total natural order of things. All off if he goes before I do. Right, like, I like the line he says specifically where it's, if things had gone according to to plan, Yang was supposed to have died, like, 15 years ago. Like, mm. you know, like, we, you know, basically that is that we've gotten away with going against the script this long. 
why did it have to happen now? And yeah, it's just it's so hard. Like seeing everybody react to this. That eventually, eventually, the men, of course, come to the reaction that well, well, Miss Castlenew should be the one to tell uh, uh, Miss Fred, you know, Frederica, because uh, women are good at that stuff. And Miss Castlenew, bless her, is like, Mm-mm, no, like I'm not doing this. Like Julian. You're you're part of their family. Like like you are essentially, whether they ever admitted it or not, you are basically their adopted son. Like you, it has to be mm-hmm. you. You're you're the adopted son who had a crush on your <laughs> surrogate mother. It's weird. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so mm-hmm. Julian kind of kind of goes in. Frederick goes by herself. Yep. and and she is smart enough to realize, like. There's only a there's only one thing that uh, would re- warrant this kind of uh, reaction from Julian, right? Like to walk in and uh, have trouble telling her something. Yeah, she uh, on some level she doesn't want to believe it, but seeing the look on Julian's face, she knows in her heart that uh, Yang is already gone. And uh, man, the this line is... here where she, you know, she says like, "I wish you were a liar because then I wouldn't have to believe what you were saying." Yeah. But, like, Julian, you're too honest. So, if you of all people is going to tell me that Yang Wen Li has died, like, this is, like, one of the hardest conversations I've ever had to watch in a piece of fiction. Frederica goes on to a little little tangent here about Yang, Yang should have died old and forgotten. Yang should have died well into his 80s, like, living in some, like, quaint little house that, like, he could barely afford with his military pension. Mm -hmm. Like, forgotten by history forgotten by like the leadership of the fpa like yang should have died a footnote in the fpa history books right. he should have died like maybe want to have to do all of these things right that he like had like, to do. like yang should have like yang should have been like yang should have been like the kind of guy who gets like listed like three or four times in one chapter of a history book but that's it that's you know he like, was the greatest general of his time, but it was a time of peace, so his so his uh, skills were never really needed. Right, like 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 the number of people who should have remembered Yang's name shouldn't have numbered more than his family and maybe a couple of his subordinates. Like Yang should have never lived in an era where Yang should have never lived in an era where he would go down in history as like not just one of the greatest military leaders of his era. But one of the greatest military leaders in human history, like that, is now the memory of Yang Wenli. Mm-hmm. People will eventually forget about Yang Wenli, the man. Like people will forget about Yang Wenli, the alcoholic. Yang <laughs> Wenli. People will forget about Yang Wenli, the the jokester and the trickster and the source of disease. Like, like. There's this idea that, like, even now, even in this very moment, they're talking about historiography in the very human sense of, like, because of Yang's military achievements and now because of the way he died, Yang will only ever be remembered for his military achievements. He will he will go down in history purely an admiral and nothing more. He will not be remembered as a human. People are not going to write history books about Yang Wenli, the man. They're going to write about Yang Wenli, the admiral, the tactician. Mm-hmm. The, the, the tactician, magician. the magician that was tragically cut down in his youth, that that will be the narrative now. That that is a narrative that will dominate Yang Wenli's legacy for the rest of history. And 
you know, like, it gets into a little bit of, like, you know, Fork died because he wanted to be remembered by history. But, like, when you really get down to it, who the fuck wants to be remembered by history? If it means, like, dying young and being mourned by all the people you love in your life. Like, is it not mm-hmm. better to be forgot? Is it not be- Is it not better to be forgotten but to have died, like, comfort- comfortably, you know? Like, surrounded by the ones you love and... God, this is just such a hard. Uh, this is just such a hard conversation to watch. They even have like a fucking like internal flash, like fr- right, like like fan fantasy spot of, of like, old man, old, young, old man young, like a ball bouncing towards him. He's sitting in a rocking chair with a blanket over his lap. Like his granddaughter would be playing with a bouncy ball that would like bounce towards him, and he would go to grab it, but like or, or he would have already passed in his sleep in the middle of a book, and like. We will mm-hmm. never see that young one, Lee. And, you know, like, that's, yeah. that's, isn't that the tragedy? Isn't that the actual tragedy of war? That, like, I feel like this, this whole show, Legend of the Galactic Hero, this entire mm-hmm. OVA has repeatedly communicated to us the tragedy of warfare, the human cost of conflict. And, like, we have seen that in the form of, like, the lives it has taken. But I think it is in this singular moment with the passing of Yang Wen Lee that we are very harshly reminded that, like, as much. <laughs> You know, I think we all had our fun watching Yang Wen Lee just dunk on Imperial Admirals time and time again. <laughs> but like, yes, you know, these How were many people were dying. Right, these were killing fields. You know, like people were dying by the thousands, by the millions. And Yang Wen Lee did not deserve this. He did not deserve to die like this. Like, mm-hmm. and the sad thing is, maybe Yang Wen Lee would disagree. Maybe Yang would say, actually, no. Considering the number of lives I've taken, this is probably the ending I deserve. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I mean, as the show itself has said, like part of what made young Winley, uh, as an admirable person as he was, is that he did consider the cost in such a way. He never forgot. He never forgot. And yeah, yep. you know, uh, so anyways, you know, Frederick asks Julian to leave her alone for a bit, you know? She's God bless Frederica. She's put she's 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 trying to put up such a strong front, but like mm-hmm. uh, it's just so it's so hard to watch here. Um, yeah, they kind of you know they kind of go to uh, we kind of return to a talk between Julian uh, Shenkop and Kazalu. Yeah, echoing, there too. oh Dusty, my bad. Dusty's there too. Actually, we'll get into Dusty later in this uh, podcast. <laughs> you know, really got it. props to Dusty in general. Uh, mm-hmm. This next talk couple about, of episodes talk about how. Uh, Humans don't fight for uh, their principles. They fight for the people who embody their principles. Yeah, basically they kind of echo what was kind of one of Yang's last, you know, galaxy brain uh, <laughs> uh, monologues, which is that, uh, like, yeah, even though even though everyone will continue to fight, uh, like in the spirit of Yang Wenli, they need a person to act as, you know, yeah, galvanizing element yeah. like uh, that, like that for better or worse, like you know. It's something Yang Wen Lee kind of lands, you know, he really nails a few episodes prior. Most of the most of the people even here in the FPA fleet are not fighting for democracy. They're not. Like, especially in a world where, like, Reinhardt's empire is, like, as well run as it is. Like, people here aren't fighting for a liberal democracy. They're not fighting for freedom. And they're fighting for the freedom that Yang Wen Lee embodies. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they kind of, they, they, they correctly guess that, like, no matter who they no, no matter who they pick to kind of be the new, the next leader of the FPA a lot of people are going to start deserting you know like yeah. they're going to lose a lot of manpower you know Kazanu says that's probably for the best we should uh 
we shouldn't try to stop them. Like, we don't want half-hearted people here on Isalone. Like, make sure that all the, like, fair weather, the fair weather fans of a liberal democracy, you know, leave now before, like, their, like, half-hearted, like, beliefs, like, infect the rest of the crew. You know, yeah. even if we lose, like, you know, half our manpower, we need only the people who are, like, most devoted to the cause. Um, mm-hmm. They decide that uh, it can't be Kazanlu or Shenkop who uh, who becomes the new military leader of the FPA. It must be Julian. Yeah. And they decide that Frederica has to be the new political leader. Yes. Uh, she must become the new civilian leader of the Alpha Seal uh, independent uh, government. There's some talk about how uh, it's potentially shady that uh, the like quote unquote line of succession is here between uh, Yang Wenli and Yang Wenli's closest family. Uh, right. And like that because Yang Wenli never officially took power, it, this is technically not a uh, a succession via like family lines right like, and Kazanu kind of shown off a lot of political savvy here where he's like look you're right like maybe this is a little shady i know people are going to complain but also like <sighs> realistically we can only invoke the ghost of yang for so long like right mm-hmm. now in this moment the ghost of yang wenli is almost as powerful as the man himself almost and we need to take advantage of that because the longer mm-hmm. we wait and the more distance of a memory Yang becomes, the less relevant, like the right. less we can leverage that to our aims. Like, like they can only instill Julian as military commander right now because everybody knows that he was Young Winley's adopted son and studied, you know, military tactics. Right. Him. Like the longer you wait and the longer that Yang becomes a concept the more and more Yang moves into concept rather than person, like the harder it will be to convince people of these like very like necessary, but radical changes to the leadership. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, you know, Julian ref- it refuses. He does not want to, he fears he could never live up to Yang, And he thinks that it is unfair to foist this onto, uh, Frederica as well. And like, I would agree. I think we could all agree that, like, on some level, it is deeply unfair to force Frederica to uh, step up to this plate in such a such a trying time. But, like, yeah, again, like, you know, Kazanu, in some ways, Kazanu is channeling a little bit of, like, what would Oberstein be like if Oberstein was a good person? Like, like Kazanu <laughs> knows these are bad things to do, but he also knows that these are necessary things to do if we want to ensure the survival of our independence movement. And right. so Frederica, you know, agrees to take uh, that position. Yeah, she, uh, you know, I, I can actually kind of accept this. Uh, I can ex- I can accept this bit here. You know, like she she says she's going to accept it. You know, Julian's like, why? And like, you know, she's like, he's like, but like, what about me? I'll never like I can never live up to like young. And, you know, Frederica says, uh, like, that's not the point. Like, it's true. You'll never live up to Yang Wen Lee. Like, because there you was shouldn't. only one Yang Wen there was only one Yang Wen Lee and uh, there's only one Julian Minty. Yeah, like there are things that you will do that Yang could never achieve. Like because we are individuals. And if you try to chain yourself to the expectation that you must be the next Yang Wen Lee, you know, it will it will consume you. Um mm-hmm. you know, and that uh, you need to lead the way that only you can. We must you know, I don't know if Yang's claim is true, to be honest. I feel like 
I feel like we have seen too many examples of this going the other way, but Frederica says that we must live up to Yang's claim that history cannot be changed by petty terrorism. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you looked at the last 20 years of our of American history? I'd say that uh, we have done a pretty oh, poor job. <laughs> we have done a pretty poor job of not allowing ourselves to be swayed by petty terrorism, but that's another conversation to be I, had. Uh, yeah, later this podcast, potentially. Potentially, um, yes. A different type of yeah. petty terrorism, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, Julian accepts you know, he uh, his his appointment is announced to uh to the Israel loan. Uh, it causes some unrest among the ranks. You know, they're like, why? people are like Dusty. Why should we listen to him? There's other more qualified people, right? Like you, you're older. Like you're an admiral. You've like fought with Yang Wen Li. Like Julian, this Julian kid hasn't even led a fleet before. And bless we'll Dusty, get the, get the, dust, the Dusty special of a so what? Yes, Dusty's just like, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> like, and like, do you have a problem? Like, bless Dusty. Like, for like, Dusty really steps up to the, steps up to the plate in these next couple of episodes. Just like, mm-hmm. you know. Anyways, we'll get into that when we get to Poplin in the next part. Uh, yeah. But we have uh, one Mirai. meeting with Mirai and um, the, the square of the whole <laughs> of the fleet. And Mirai, uh, you know, in his not final moments, but what could be narratively his final moments. Um, he once again does the thing that only Mariah could do. He takes, he takes one for the team in a way that only, only, you know, is he an admiral? What is yeah. his rank? He, He's a vice admiral. He, yes. Okay, vice admiral. He he takes one for the team in only a way specifically vice admiral Mariah could. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, he basically tells Julian that uh, he is gonna leave and is gonna like provide a uh, basic basically provide an excuse for everyone else who doesn't actually want to stay to also leave. Right. Uh, Mirai, once again, master of like his, his command of human behavior knows that like, if nobody important leaves, there are going to be some, there are going to be some fair, like not everybody, not every fair weather dissident is going to leave. There are going to be some people who stay because of like peer pressure. And like right. those people are going to spread that dissidence through the rest of the crew but if mariah leaves everybody can point to mariah and be like see even someone as important as mariah is leaving i'm out of here like right only the true believers will stay right like despite the fact that you could tell mariah wants to stay you could tell mariah wants to advise julian you you like you can tell that like julian in some ways needs mariah but in many ways this is just as necessary of a task and only mariah could pull this off and yep only as big of a square as Mariah could do it. So Mariah uh, leaves, and uh, yep. and if with him leaving, lots of soldiers also leave, as well as the remaining Alpha Seal politicians. Yes, like decide to uh, basically say uh, we're not going to claim independence anymore. We'll just go with uh, the Empire. Right. The Alpha Seal government decides to well dissolve the Alpha Seal government, which mm-hmm. is a little weird because like that means that like now Ezerlone are the only remnants of the Alpha Seal government, and that yeah. I guess that Frederica is essentially the new leader of a non-existent political entity, which is <laughs> right. Like it's 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 one of those things where it's a formality. Like you know that they have to maintain the illusion of like a a cohesive government, but also like with the end of this episode, that government essentially does not exist anymore. Um, 
Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a. Uh, and, and you know, kind of with that, uh, we kind of end episode eighty-three. You know, um, you know, uh, indeed, Mariah was a Mariah was a true patriot. He was indeed. a true patriot. History true will patriot. not. The sacrifice he made for his nation will not be recorded in the history books. Yes, he'll go down history as a traitor, yeah. and uh, you know, but uh, only only yeah. those who know of this will will ever know the sacrifice he made to his nation. <laughs> How the fuck did Mariah somehow end up being the fucking <laughs> the boss, the boss <laughs> of the Legend of the Galactic Heroes universe? Uh, like, God damn it! Like that's the thing. Like Julian even says, like history will call you a traitor for the rest of eternity. Like. Your name will be synonymous with like turncoat. Like people will spit on your name for generations to come. And Mariah's like, that's what it's got to take. Like, yeah, but something only I can do. Yeah, and like, hey, you know what? If there still exists an FBA in two hundred years to spit on my name, then like, it will better. <laughs> it will have been worth it. And it's like, man, I wish we had gotten more Mariah episodes. I really do. Dude yeah. seems like such a fucking cool guy, and it's just such a shame we get so little of him. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So with that, we got to move into episode eighty-four, where notable uh, the opening is not played at all during <laughs> these uh, yes, episodes. Yes. And uh, so we open a we open eighty-four with like a piano version of the ending theme yes. for season three. So we Poplin like, uh, locked in the room. Like it's <laughs> like a week time. has basically passed. Like they we forgot to mention basically a little bit earlier. I think the last episode they mentioned that uh, Poplin doesn't even want to come out and see. The body right. he has locked because himself in his him. room and has just been with, drinking with this entire time. Bunch of liquor. Yes, so they break into y- J- Poplin's room. Poplin they, have just, to, they have to hack open the door. Yes, just there, fucking sprawled in a corner, surrounded by like what appears to be dozens of empty bottles of hard liquor. Yeah, uh, Poplin looking haggard as fuck. Like says some shit like, "You better not be ghosts. I'm not in the mood for seeing ghosts." <laughs> <laughs> like, right, like this better just be an alcoholic hallucination, and right, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, a normal person I think would have alcohol poisoning by this point and would probably be dead. But uh, I guess Poplin's just like incredibly a comprehensive knowledge of poisons and uh, their lethal dosages meant that even uh, even drinking drinking away his sorrows, he knew to the drop where to stop. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't want to do the math here, but, like, generously, assuming it's been about a week, and, like, there's at least, like, three dozen bottles visible in that, like, <laughs> that oh, it's not that many. Are you sure? I think mean, it's, like... It's not, not three dozen. Like, two dozen? I feel like there's no. a... What? Are you looking at the screen cap right now? I feel... I am. Okay, fine, count them for me. Like, just... There's, like, there's like four or five what? bottles. No, there's more than that, like... I feel like there's way more than that. Like, do you see how quickly he drinks that bottle in I know, the scene? Now, that, now that's the, like, holy shit, man. Dude downs an entire bottle in a span of, like, ten seconds. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, that, would, that would kill anyone who does not have... Whatever, yes. Add, 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 add inhuman uh, alcohol tolerance to Poplin's list of talents. Yeah, uh, uh, but yeah, so like I'll, I refuse to take orders for anyone other than Young Wen Lee. Yeah, and then here's the thing: where, again, Dusty rising to the occasion. Dusty, goofy Dusty, Dusty, the guy who dressed up as a pirate. Dusty, the guy <laughs> writing his memoirs. <laughs> Dusty, the guy who invented the blow up the transports strategy. 
Dusty uh, Attenborough, named Dusty, fucking grabs Poplin by the fucking scruff and is like, Dusty, like it is my it is my like privilege to introduce you to officer. introduce you to your new superior officer, Julian Minchie, who is now supreme commander of the military forces of the FPA. You will obey his orders. You will not you will not disobey. You will not question his authority in front of other like personnel. Right. Like you will even not if, even if he lets you, I won't fucking let you. Right. Like I will not let you muddy the chain of command here. Like now if you're, not, if you're not okay with it, get the fuck out. Right. Like now more than ever, we must maintain the chain of command. And if you don't like it, you can go with Mariah and the others. And like it's like, damn, Dusty, like and here's the here's the thing. Like we're talking about like Dusty stepping up, like Dusty like coming stepping up to the plate. Here's the thing I'm getting to realize. Like, what if Dusty always had it in him? And just like <laughs> He just never the the, 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 the Garrus of uh, Ezerlone. Right, like, like, like he always had it in him, but he just never had to because Yangwen Lee was there. You know, right. like why why step up and be like the new hard ass leader when Yangwen Lee is always going to like have have a handle on things. You know, like of course I could take things easy. Yangwen Lee is here, like, but like now that Yangwen Lee isn't, you know, I think there's this big worry. I think there's this. Th- I mean, I think there's still this big worry that, like, without Yangwen Lee, the FPA would essentially just collapse, you know? That, like, none of its individual leaders could step up to the plate and fill in that gap. But mm-hmm. the thing we're kind of seeing with episodes 83 and 84 that I really like is actually that, like, without Yang, a lot of these dudes actually are stepping into the spotlight. They are picking up the slack. Like, yeah. one of them alone cannot replace Yangwen Lee, but all of them working together they're doing an okay right. job of it. They're not doing as good of a job as Yang could have, but like they are getting it done, you know, like yeah. they are doing what needs to be done. And even Poplin, I mean, Poplin's like, yeah. he like salutes. He's like, you're right. Like I'm right. gonna go wash yep. my face, take a shower. Like you got it, boss. You know, like the, everybody's uh, pulling it together. It's interesting how like uh the Empire kind of always assumed if we kill Yang Wenli, like they'll all fall apart and we won't, we won't have to do anything. Uh, whereas, like, everyone's kind of like pulling it together now. Yeah. Whereas, if Kaiser Reinhardt uh, died or even gets how, sick, like the entire right. thing falls apart. Yes. And, like, <laughs> like, how can because of like how the chain of command works, I guess, like, if uh, Reinhardt you know, falls unconscious like he did. Who's there to make decisions? Yeah, no. I mean, like, in many ways, like, this whole dynamic here is is a low-key and subtle, like, comparison of autocracy and democracies in action. Like, I think that, like, maybe some viewers maybe miss out on this, but, like, I think that this moment here with Yang's death is actually showing us what is the strength of a liberal democracy. It is showing us that even in its darkest moments... You know, if the president is killed, if the five-star admiral is killed, like, in a perfect world, I, ideally, a democracy is built to shore up that we to shore up that wound. Because, like, we, we have shown up this whole time, okay, like, Yang Wenli does all the high-level planning for the FPA, but actually, like, here's the thing, like, we always said, like, oh, it's a shame that Yang Wenli is the only admiral on his side. And that is true. He's, the, like, you know, other than Dusty and, and, you know, some of the other guys like Murkatz. Like, but Yang is just the admiral. When it comes to, like, actually executing his plans, he has utilized all these other people up till now, you know? 
like his plans only succeed because of Edwin Fisher's like maneuver battle battle maneuvering. They only succeed because of Kazanu's logistics. They only succeed because of Shenkop's Rosen Ritter like succeeding when they board ships. Like like creates this web where every, like even if one part falls like everything else can keep it together right and keep each other up. Or, or at least they can maintain the web you know like obviously right. losing fisher was a huge blow you losing young is an even huger blow but like this is a web that can recover you know like it may not be as strong as before but like right. if given whereas, time it can whereas reinhardt dies like who's next in line of succession right. they don't have, you don't even, even, even even if he had a hypothetical heir, like say that heir comes into succession, well, everybody here swore uh, swore um, fealty to only Kaiser Reinhardt, yeah. not not Kaiser Reinhardt Junior. Exactly. Like, why should we listen to that guy? Like, like that's the thing. Like, and I mean, and that's 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 a fascinating thing, right? Like, regardless if a hypothetical Reinhardt the Second was even a good ruler or not. Look at look at Reinhardt's admirals. You can already begin to see like which admirals like would pull a Murkatz and stay loyal in spite of the issues of with of the ruler, and which ones would immediately break off if that ruler could not live up to like the legacy of the first Reinhardt, you know? Like, right. Where, like which is different than supporting the institution itself, of, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and so yeah, so Poplin pulls it together, you know. Get some get some Murkatz. Yeah, you know, yeah, we got a great uh, part here. Murkatz kind of Murkatz kind of uh, muses to uh, Schneider that yes. uh, he's like, you know, once upon a time, I wonder if it would have been better if I had died during the Lipstadt like rebellion. And but now I have no regrets for the choices I've made. You know, like mm-hmm. I I'm an old man and I had I lived like these last few years assuming that I, I would be set in a certain way for the rest of my life, you know, that I'm old. I had finished growing. But here with Yang, kind of seeing the rise of the FPA and the way taught they me, like taught me another way to live. Yeah, it's it's a good moment. You know, it kind of shows that like again, Murkatz, still so, an Imperial <laughs> loyalist to yes. an extremely morally compromised throne, but also someone who is showing that even he can be swayed by like Mm-hmm. what a good like what a good democracy can achieve and uh yeah. meanwhile we kind of switch back to uh right after the we hold the funeral yes and uh, uh, we officially announce the death to all space yes reinhardt gets the news and uh does not take it well <laughs> reinhardt does not take it well he kind of returns back to bratty reinhardt like this is like we get we get back to like reinhardt doesn't want to go to the party reinhardt Frederick, like, uh, Hilda, do you have the right to uh, give me bad do news is bad? Right, like, dare you? like Reinhardt basically shouts at the heavens, "How come all of his friends and foes leave him?" Like, right. they should keep living for my own sake. Yes, to give me an enemy to fight. Yes, Reinhardt very much kind of basically. You don't have the right to die to anyone other than me. Right, Reinhardt is basically putting his whole and ass out here. Yes, yes, full full Vegeta. Like I said, Reinhardt. Voice by Vegeta. Yes, yes, it's perfect. Like I said, Reinhard putting his whole ass out here, just fully admitting to Hilda how petty his actual like motivations are. Like he doesn't actually care about the Empire. He doesn't care about like ruling. He just wants good enemies. And now the last of those good enemies have left him. And uh, yep. and uh... kind of it's you know the this this news kind of reverberates through. Reinhardt's admirals, you know, they all kind of like 
they all have their own different reactions to it, you know? Like right. he, some of them are like, ah, Young Lee is not actually dead. It's another trick. Right. Binfield, bless Binfield. Binfield is currently in the denial stage of the five stages of grief. <laughs> He's like, no, it's 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 just a trick from Young. Young wouldn't die. Not after a trickster. Not after not after fucking fucking me over that time. No, there's no way uh, Young could die. And like, you know, Mittermeier's like so uh who no reason to do that for like they they would gain nothing from doing this right he's probably just plotting something that we don't understand and Bitfield's just like you know like young's got a galaxy brain the rest of us are like space brain at best i'm like Uh, i'm like pea brain here i can't understand his full plan someone asks who the hell yulian mints is does which i love it's just like wait who is that? Who the hell is Julian Minshew? And but apparently, everyone's chair at this at this long table has a full top laptop. Yes, so they look him up. Uh, thankfully, uh, Volin is not here because right. uh, Volin would know. Volin would have been like, "Wait a minute, I know that kid. That's the kid I met at the Earth Cult compound." I almost wish uh, he was there, just a fucking season credulous reaction. Wait, that was second in command of the FBA. I hope uh, we eventually do see Volan's reaction to Julian being the I new leader of the FBA. It has to happen. <laughs> it has to happen. I need to see it happen. Um, uh, Meyer, they, they all kind of agree that, like, well, nobody can t- really take over for Yang Wenli. Right, and, and, like, so. whoever this kid is, like, Mittermeier, once again, being so nice. Mittermeier, even to his enemies, is so nice. Mittermeier's like, man, that kid's got a I rough bad, road. Yeah. I, that kid's so bad for that kid. Yeah, he's got a rough ho- road ahead of him. I, I wish him the best, despite being my mortal enemy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, they so note uh, that, they note that um, uh, the other fake Imperial cruiser that was Earth Cult, uh, the one that was not sunk by uh, yes. Shenkov was sunk by admiral bureau yes so uh, uh the empire essentially we get a little montage here of the empire trying to crack down on the earth cult you know like despite the fact that the assassination of yang probably benefits them the empire recognizes like how fucking shitty their internal security is if the, right. the earth cult was able to pull off something this drastic like they notice they realize that uh because like a bunch of Junior officers also kill themselves rather than be investigated. And so they're like, well, <laughs> those Earth Cold assholes are sure pretty high up, aren't they? Yeah, so basically, despite the ostensible destruction of their home base, the Empire comes to the horrific realization that actually the Earth Cult is far more deeply embedded in their leadership than they uh, initially assumed. Yes. And, uh, and we gotta go back to some Mittermeier and Roenthal talking about this. Yes, but uh, they're drinking beer for once. Drinking beer instead of wine. wine. But it's, it's a little weird because, like, they're not drinking, like, bottles or cans. They're, like, drinking, like, out of one bottle of beer that they're pouring it's into a glasses. Big, a big bottle it's that they're like pouring into. a big bottle, but, like, they're drinking, like, halfway between a pint and a shot glass size glasses of beer. It's just weird to me that, like, it's just funny to me, I should say, that. After uh, drinking nothing but fancy ass wine and spirits this whole time, yeah, they just whip out a fucking Suntory brand beer. Yes, it's it's very it's it's. <laughs> I was like, hang on a minute, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's like you always assume they're like, oh, like you know, the FPA would be beer people, but like the Empire, they seem like wine and champagne types, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. well, poisoned wine. I'd say uh, beer, but 
they actually seem like hard, li- like brown hard liquor people in general. <laughs> like, look, uh, you blame them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, whether it's you know the old, yeah. whether it's you know Job Trunit Super Whiskey or just the Alpha, the regular Alpha Seal Whiskey they had uh, on Easter alone. But anyway, so men and my right. right there are kind of discussing like, well, what do you this think? Is of kind this? Of, this is kind of like this is kind of. Before all this, we were both opposed to invading Ezerlone, but now that we did invade Ezerlone and got this outcome, I'm not really happy about it. Yes, I, I do like that, like, Mittermeier's like, so we should float this out. Do you think Oberstein was involved? <laughs> and I, I think Roythel says something like, as much as I wish it were so, not every single cosmic coincidence in this world can be attributed to Oberstein. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they talk about uh, apparently Roenthal's child uh, was born, you know, the, the baby they sent to the penal colony. Yes, the, the penal colony baby. Uh, uh, again, Mittermeier's like, how's the kid? And Roenthal, being fucking Roenthal's like, how should I fucking know? I don't care. And it's just like, Roenthal, please. Born, neither should I. <laughs> just uh, every like, single time. Well, it's like, all right, Mittermeier, I know you I know you believe that the children the sins of the father should not pass on, but also I shouldn't have never existed. I mean, the the intrinsic thing here is that Mittermeier believes. Right. I mean, again, Mittermeier is the guy who always believes that the kids are gonna be alright. Whereas Reinthal is the guy who just like Even though I brought him into this world to just grow up to be as hated as I am. Right, yes. Just again, also putting his whole ass out there. But uh you know, uh, eventually they kind of like, they're like, well, since you're a boss of all former FPA space, Ryanthal, we, and I'm going to be at home with my wonderful wife on Odin. I guess we won't be able to talk to uh, like this yes. too much. Minermeyer repeatedly brings up how happy he is to see his wife again, uh, in this episode, which makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they would kill off another character this major so soon after Yang Wenli. But older season of the show to go. But Mittermeier keeps bringing up his wife. He also Mittermeier, being the nice guy, he keeps bringing up that like, well, <sighs> friends. No, no, no. I was gonna say, if nothing else, like, at least no more soldiers have to die in this battle. You know, mm-hmm. like yet again, Mittermeier is, seems to be the only person on the Empire side who is concerned with like the actual human casualties that are occurring in this war. Indeed. And uh, the narrator who has no chill goes on to say that after these two shook hands and parted, how could they have known that it would be the final time that the twin stars of the empire would shake hands and drink together again? Narrator, narrator just, please. Yeah, just narrator fucking putting all this shit out there as if, like, we are in the mood to hear this right now. <laughs> and, uh, Mueller is sent by Reinhard to, uh, visit Ezerlone for official mourning. Yes, to express uh, his condolences. Um, we have a, we kind of have an interesting one-on, one-to-one talk, uh, between Mueller and, uh, and Julian. You yes. know, uh, kind of just... You know, just having a brief chat, basically killing some time. You know, kind of formalities. Um, oh, there is a good bit uh, where uh, when Mueller meets with uh, Frederica, uh, Frederica is about to salute, but then remembers she is no longer military leadership; she is now civilian yes. leadership. It's kind of like good, and shouldn't she bows instead? Yes, yes. It's a good little detail. Yeah. Uh, I like this. 
she tells in the show. Yes. Um, yeah, there's kind of a good bit with sending Mueller in general because, like, Mueller is the right mix of, like... Diligent. <sighs> diligent, uh-huh. honorable, like... He knows to say the right things. Like, Mueller is not the kind of guy... Like, Mueller's not going to, like, start saying shit. Like, you know, he's not going to start shit, right? Like, he is not Bidfield. Right. Like, he is respectful. But also, he is, like, a major enough... Like, he is a major enough admiral in Reinhardt's crew that, like, sending him is not an insult. You know, like, Reinhardt right. could... could not, not sent, like, um... I don't know. Bidfield some, or something. Actor. <laughs> I was trying to. I was trying to think of someone other than Bidfield. I'm just saying, man. Imagine they had fucking sent Binfield to that funeral. God damn! How long do you think before Binfield would have gotten shot? <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, but anyway, so yeah, you know, kind of Mueller, you know, because and also like Mueller and Yang kind of have a not a not a, I mean, kind of a pseudo rivalry of sorts because like you know, right. Mueller is the one who saved the right heart's life from Yang. Yes, um, and right, Yang is the one who said that like. In a better world, Mueller would have been working for me. So, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so they have a one on one. You know, I'm sure Mueller means well when he says this, but uh, mm-hmm. Mueller's like, you know, it's not actually my authority to say, but just between you and me, if you want to surrender, like I can tell, I can I can relay that message to the Kaiser, and I'm sure he would be lenient with you. And mm-hmm. Julian fucking learned from the best is like. Tell me, tell me, Admiral uh, Mueller, if uh, if Reinhardt died tomorrow, would you change your flag? And <laughs> right. Mueller is just left admitting, you're right. That was a really stupid thing for me to say. My apologies. Yeah. Um, Although I feel like that reply would have been very, as as we said a few minutes ago, I think that reply would be very different depending on which Admiral he asked. Yeah, I think so. Again, like, I mean. You say that to Benfield, I think Benfield would have tried to start a fight, you know? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that's the thing, right? Yeah. So, like, Mueller is the kind of admiral who is cool-headed enough that, like, when he gets the tables turned on him verbally like that, he knows well right. enough to, like, take the L on that one. Yes, and uh, we also are notified. Shenkop comes by to be like, hey, are, did you actually give everyone who's leaving permission to take stuff? Yes, and uh, Julian's like, yeah, but only stuff that we can't, like... You know, only renewable resources. Yes, uh, yes, and that uh, you know, this is the least we could do for them because we couldn't even afford pensions for them. So, yes. you know, just let them take what they need. You know, to hopefully live peaceful days for the rest of their lives. And mm-hmm. you know, Mueller kind of sees all this. You know, and again, kind of speaks to like Julian as a leader that like he is not ashamed of admitting to Mueller. Like, yeah, no, people are fle- are fleeing Iserlode. You know, on mass. Like, and some of these people will probably join up with you. Yeah, uh, but. Oh, well. Yes. Uh, I think I like this end of this exchange here. We get a like, quick flashback to what Yulian has learned from uh, Imperial Admiralship, Admiralty. And like, he says to Mueller what Kirky Eyes said to him many, many episodes ago. Yes. Of, uh, we may end up, we, like, we'll probably meet again on opposite sides, but uh, until then, uh, please be well. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like I took to be like, yes, Yulian has learned a lot from the FPA people, but also in his travels, he has learned from people such as Volan and Kirkyeyes. Yeah, I mean, in, like in their own way. Yeah, I mean, like before he says that line, like we have a, you know, we have a ghostly echo from Yang saying, you know, reminding us, reminding us of that time he told Julian that, like, you need to see the whole world because, like, you're going to see different values and different beliefs. 
but like you're also going to understand like what are the things that like intrinsically make us human and mm-hmm. again you know i think if anything could be said about julian if like if anything can be said is his best trait is that julian learns from the best like he mm-hmm. he always takes lessons from the best places and uh you know he with that kind of mueller leaves and uh we kind of return back to uh to reinhard we find that uh he uh he is taking care of a lot of civilian politics now from his bed uh because yes. Reinhardt strengthened Hilda's military authority because of Steinmetz's death uh, Hilda is now uh has taken the role that uh that uh, was right. originally assigned to Steinmetz but uh they kind of get into how like normally Hilda would be dealing with all a lot of these like domestic matters but because now she's officially in a military position she refuses to deal with political stuff. Right, because once again, Hilda is the only like, is the smartest person in the room, and like Yang understands like the dangerous precedent she would set if she administered both military and civilian uh, yes. sectors. But again, <laughs> unfortunately, that leads to Reinhardt being the one who has to stamp all these damn paperwork, which you know he doesn't right. fucking love. But uh, he, uh, you know, again, I think we, he understands. I guess yes, but... we we see him kind of dealing like. They say that he makes a bunch of really fast reform. You know, again, autocracy leads to rapid reform. Uh, he says, like, I need to make you prime minister or something so that I can actually ask you about this stuff. Yes. Um, he specifically, th- th- the narrator says, I didn't catch the line here, but he says that he specifically, like, made some changes to the government to basically, like, like make him closer to the people or something. I'm not sure I quite understood that line. Did you... Uh, like happen uh, to catch that the the way they put it is kind of like he wants to he's his policy is like slowly abolishing the aristocracy and making it more like free for the average citizen to uh connect their opinion to with like the kaiser's right, dominance right okay that makes sense i i guess the thing is like i couldn't tell because like on many in, in many ways i could not tell if that was like i mean i feel like the, the, the charitable fanboy take is like reinhardt is setting up the foundation of a liberal democracy which i think is very much not the case i think it is just once again like <sighs> reinhardt is trying to make as he is trying to make his fucking like autocracy as like nice as possible with as like nice of a smile as possible but at the end of the day it is still an autocracy yeah but um again we uh find out that red hard once again despite just barely recovering from his sickness is not eating um, yeah please eat reinhard uh emil nope, tries like, emil, to how dare you order me the kaiser to eat right right like you know how dare you? again we see these flashes oh, I, know. Of- I didn't mean i didn't mean it emil right. Get the flash You're such a nice boy. Yeah, get these flashes of bratty Reinhardt. Again, I... Again, the constant sickness, the lack of appetite. Like, you can... You can, <laughs> you can chalk this up to, like, oh, he's just a workaholic, but I'm really beginning to suspect there might be something wrong with Reinhardt. Um, anyways, yeah. you know, he uh, gets one last uh, message, which is that uh, Strike comes in uh, yes. asking what to do with Steinmetz's will. Uh, we find out that uh, Steinmetz's will, um, or was closest thing related to a will, uh, that he had was in a uh, relationship. He left, he left everything to one woman. Yes, to one Gretchen von Ederhart. Uh, but however, he did not marry her. And uh, is it, Reinhardt is informed that he did not marry Gretchen because he said he would not marry until Reinhardt got married. And 
Red Hart just once again is just like, why does everyone want me to marry? And it's like, motherfucker, maybe it's because you are still single and we still do not have a clear political lineage in place here. Like, Reinhardt literally says, I don't care. Like, whoever should be leader should just be the strongest. Like, Reinhardt, please, no, that's not how it works. Like, do you just want to kick off a violent civil war after you pass? Like, Like, for all the reform you're putting through for the government, and for as much as the narrator has occasionally piped in to say, and Reinhardt was putting focus on the long-term stability of the empire... Like, his actual actions on camera are just asking for a bloody succession crisis. Right, because, like, one of the one of the strongest things about democracy is that for better or worse, you know, mainly for worse as of, of late, yes, is that we oh, have yes. a clear line of political succession. Relationally, right, like, like, how many people down do you have to... This <laughs> is a not, dark thing for me to say, but how many people down do you have to shoot... Before we actually ha- don't know who is next up right. well, in line. I mean, yes, we actually, well, I mean, I, I don't have it on hand. I, it's not something I can remember from off, off the top of my head. But my understanding is that uh, the U.S. government has actually put thought into this. And it is actually, like, officiated. Right. That, uh, we have yes. we have a clear line of political succession for the leadership of this country going uh, 12, uh, 12 steps deep. Um <laughs> So there is this idea that even if like even if like DC itself was wiped out off the face of the planet, there would actually still be somebody who would actually be like the clear like legal uh, successor to that lineage. Um, but that's a problem. Is like this is why kings exist. Like say what you will about monarchies, but if nothing else, like the reason monarchies exist is so that you have a clear line of like okay. King is dead. Who's next? His son. Okay. Right. Even if the son sucks, at least you understand who is next. What Reinhardt is doing is leaving it so vague that, like, like in many ways, this kind of – I'm not going to go to a historical tangent on this again because, you know, I think, A, we're going to have better times to discuss this, <laughs> but, B, we are running long. But this, in many ways, this reminds me of, like, the death of Augustus in the Roman Empire. Like – he did technically designate like a successor, but like in many ways it was such a half-hearted attempt that like a civil war was literally the only like logical thing that could happen when he passed away because like he did not have children. He he did not like for all the things that, you know, Augustus did to like improve and reform Rome. One of the things he did not do was like codify a clear line of succession. And the Roman Empire paid dearly for it. And, like, I fear that Reinhardt is once again setting up for the exact same mistakes when he says, oh, like, he's pulling some fucking, like, Metal Gear Rising Senator Armstrong shit here where he's saying, ah, just the strongest will rise to the top. It's like, motherfucker, this is not a, this is not your fucking libertarian enclave. This is a galactic empire. Like, yes. care billions of people. Billions of people depend on your decisions. Care a little bit about getting married and getting laid, if nothing else. Yep. And uh, everyone starts pulling out of his alone corridor. Yes. Uh, Roenthal, Roenthal heads off to Heineken. Yep. yep. Are you satisfied, Kaiser, as long as I'm merely a cog in your dominance? Right, fucking Roenthal, once again, <laughs> literally being accused of treason like a month ago, is already back on his fucking treasonous bullshit. Like, you can already see the cogs turning in Roenthal's brain. It was, hmm, 
for Reinhardt to be strong, he needs a strong enemy. I could be that strong enemy. It's like, Roy, mm-hmm. oh, please, you have to stop. Uh, and Mittermeier is like, boy, I hope nothing else bad happens in the next six months of the first year of Variety. Yeah. Also, by the way, Bear Lane, do you have a girlfriend? You should get laid. And fucking Bear Lane says, like, the fleet is my girlfriend. And Mittermeier gives him, like, the most fucking look I have ever seen from Mittermeier. Just, <laughs> like, the most, like, you didn't actually just say that, did you? Like, I'm just following your example, Mittermeier. And Mittermeier, like, literally shouts at Bear, Lane, Bear Lane saying, A, work on getting a girlfriend. B, work on your jokes. And just, uh, but it was I may have taught you tactics, but you're gonna have to study good jokes and find a girlfriend on your own, man. Yes, Mittermeier, as this episode kind of comes to a close, muses that you know, in some ways, uh, Young is a martyr now. Like mm-hmm. things may be peaceful now, things might be calming down for now. Like Reinhardt may have retreated from the Iserlone corridor, but. But now Ezerlone is a holy land for democracy. Yes, and that people, the news will spread. The news will spread that Yang died a, a martyr in the name of democracy. Or he did not. He died half-drugged alone in, in basically a back alley of a spaceship. But people will eventually write the story. You know, I mean, just like Heinesen, people will eventually write the story that turns him into a legendary martyr. And then Mittermeier says, once again, boy, I can't wait to see my wife. And I'm like, no, Mittermeier, don't say that. <laughs> but, uh, and then this show pulls off the move, the cheapest fucking move that only this show could pull off. <laughs> uh, fucking looks at his, the f- portrait of his wife. <laughs> and then. I'm, I'm so glad I'll be able to return to my lovely wife. Yes, yes. And then. That's. Uh, yes, Man, yes, tried- yes, yes, yes. Oh my god, dude. I was my god. To- I set up the layup for you, and you just fucking uh, let it fall like a fucking, uh, like a turd, man. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I, th- I think I said out loud, like, oh, fuck off when they uh did this, and they start playing the first season ending theme. Yes, crossing the bridge of light, crossing the bridge of light, the ED for the first season that we have not heard over like. Two do- like and over like th- four dozen episodes. Right, just said like you sons of bitches. You sons of <laughs> bitches. Do that. That's the, same, not just the song, the same sequence as well. And like oh now we are remen- we are reminded of us joking at the end of our season one wrap up podcast of how this ED would be a dark portent of events of events to come. And now the prophecy has been fulfilled. <laughs> We've come full circle. <laughs> We've come full circle. Yang has disappeared from the ED for good. Oh my god. Leaving Juliet alone in an empty what's galaxy. The, what, what's the what's the fourth opening ED gonna be? I don't know, man. I don't I I hope the fourth ED doesn't even show Yang. I don't know if I could handle seeing Yang again. Like what about just the ghost Yang in the sky, smiling down? Uh, Look, man. Smi- if, smiling down like Goku. Sure, if Yang wants to become a force ghost for Julian, I'm all for it. But I don't think this is, this is that kind of show. Um, anyways, we've been, oh we've been running for, on for too long. But yeah, like, there is what's one, coming up next? There is oh, no, actually, yes. one topic we did want to get into at the end of this. Yes, the final thing on my notes here. Talk about Earth Cult and how they used to be funny. Yeah, so 
we kind of wanted to get into a talk about like cults and like how people become radicalized and like the impact that has on like society. You know, this sounds like a very like yeah. big brain topic, but don't worry, we're not going to go nearly as in depth as you fear. But in many ways, you know, obviously, like. <clears throat> Again, this show was written like 30, 40 years ago. Like, obviously, is not referencing our current events, but like, fiction is. What is it that they say? Uh, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Is that no matter what the era is, like, a show like Legend of the Galactic Heroes will always have political parallels with like the real world events in society at the time because of its like extremely nuanced and like intimate like understanding right. of histor- historical trends. And so we kind of want to talk about the Earth cult in this regard because, like, the Earth cult as an entity is very laughable. We laughed at the right. Earth cult for seasons. These, oh, these, like, goofy assholes in their fucking robes. Their robes and their caves. Yes, it's just like, you know, we all remember, like, their first reveal when, you know, we had that Emperor Palpatine motherfucker in that cave with the crystal ball, you know, yo, right. yo, fucking prophesizing the doom of Yang Wen Li or whatever. And it's like, yeah, you know, we laughed because they're goofy, but like, it is that thing that like it is easy to forget. And and in some ways, I wonder if this is intentional on the show's part of like making Earth Cult such a like ridiculous organization that we let mm-hmm. our guard down. We forget right. how like. How? Even though earlier in this very season we infiltrated their base and saw like the crazy shit they were doing, uh, right? Like no matter how crazy that shit is, if it is being done with complete in complete earnest, that is dangerous, you know. And so, despite the fact that they're doing these hilarious, goofy things like drugging their believers and like fucking like. <sighs> Uh, collapsing the base on their own, like their own believers and like all this crazy, ridiculous shit. Like if these people truly believe in this stuff, that is actually more dangerous than like, if they were just a regular old terrorist group, because like, these are cults. These are cultists, you know, like this is the same reason why, like it's easy to have like in a fantasy, whatever, it's easy to have the generic villains be cultists. They're cultists. They're crazy. You don't have to feel bad about right. murdering scores of them. But then, but then you think a little bit more about that, and you realize that some of the most da- dangerous terrorist organizations in 2019 are cultish. You know, I think the most like obvious example is like stuff like you know ISIS and the Taliban. You know, religious extremists in the Middle East. You know the the idea that like. They're far more dangerous than your regular guerrilla group because they're not just fighting for ideology. They're fighting for like what they believe to be the fundamental fabric of the universe. And like when you believe that, you could be driven to do like truly uh, insane and terrible things. But like, right. I think that like in many ways, this can even be applied to like the rise of like the alt right, you know, through yeah, the, like, through the I internet. Even, I don't even want to imply that like you only will end up this way if you're like some kind of idiot who will buy into whatever some cult selling. Like this happens to regular ass people, right? And it doesn't even need to be necessarily religious in nature, you know. Like if there's there's this there's this oft like there's this oft ar- you know argued stance from like I think more moderate like. Um, more modern ideologies that say that like 
oh, if you really want to deal with like neo Nazis and alt right fuckheads and stuff, like just ignore them. Like laugh at them. They're goofy. They're laughable. Like they're just a bunch of like they're just a bunch of angry teenagers in black trench coats. Like just laugh at them. They they they're they're ineffectual. They're impotent. Like if until we just they're shooting up a Walmart. Right. Like, until they are shooting up Walmarts and schools and churches and releasing like video manifestos of like their extremely dangerous beliefs. Like that is the thing. Like I think that like for years, like people are you know, people like advocated this idea that if we just ignore them, they'll go away because what they want is attention. But like when they start taking lives, when they start killing people, like, here's the thing, like, these people are no longer just, like, you know, pathetic internet sad sacks. Like, there is a reason why these people should be called domestic terrorists, like, who are, like, indoctrinated into a very cult-like mentality. Like, it is easy to mock them, right? Like, it is, it's very easy to laugh at the idea. I still sometimes laugh at the idea of, like, oh, like, watching anime and, like, like watching anime and talking on 4chan turns you into a school shooter is like a very like laughable concept but like when it proves to be the truth time and time again right how laughable is it anymore you know like here's the thing i'm not trying to sound i'm not trying to sound hypocritical <laughs> like i do think that like we are probably going to continue laughing at the earth cult Oh yeah, like because we will keep laughing at the empire as well. Yes, but and like, but but I also like I think that what this show this show has done and this what this show has effectively reminded us is like even if we find their antics funny sometimes, still have to take it seriously. They must be taken seriously because they are capable of very real, very tangible harm in the society they exist in. And again. I'm not like I hope it doesn't sound like we're reaching too hard here. I, I would never try to imply, oh, Yoshiki Tanaka predicted the rise of the alt right or ISIS or whatever. Like at the end of the day, these are just oh, parallels. Like, these are not um, what are they? Extremist groups existed in every period yes, of time. Yes, like, time. Like, like, like like these are not allegory. They are parallels, you know, and they are parallels that we have subjectively decided to make. And of course, I think it is a, it is valid to like both Things, arrive at yeah. that conclusion and i think it is valid to write it off but there are things in legend of black heroes that are applicable to many different situations yeah and i think that like in many ways like <laughs> it is a very silly thing to say that like legend of the galactic heroes has made us more politically and socially aware but i feel <laughs> like i feel like in some ways it has maybe opened our eyes to like concepts and things that we initially considered like laughable or right. unrealistic but like the more we are forced to contend with both a the events in the show and b how much they uncomfortably remind us of things that are happening in the real world it's given me like an extra vector to understand some of the things that are going on in reality yeah i, guess, I think that's a good way to put it. it right like i don't like, think i don't think any of us is saying oh like we became political because of legend of the galactic heroes but, yeah, it but could- i can really like relate the situ- i can relate situations that are occurring in reality to when something like that happened in legend of the galactic heroes yeah and like use the context of the show to help me better understand the right. context of reality. And I think in many ways that kind of speaks to the strength of the show. Like, you know, I think that with these three episodes, you know, maybe, maybe this is big talk. Maybe I'll like, maybe I'll walk this back in like a year, but like, I don't fucking know how anyone could ever arrive at any conclusion other than that. Legend of Galactic Heroes is like the greatest piece of fiction that like <laughs> has ever been written. And like, <laughs> the history oh, no. of, of mankind like oh, no. <laughs> okay okay maybe i'll walk that back in like a week maybe i'll maybe i'll rewatch watch gurren lagan or something and i'll change my mind again 
I mean, like, you know, Grand Belm Day is tomorrow, man. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be watching Grand Belm. Yes, Grand Belm is the show that's going to convince me. That. Uh, oh, shit. Uh, fine. For, for a specific, like, for a very specific lane of fiction, I think Legend of the Galactic Heroes is unsurpassed. Sure. I, I feel confident saying that. As far as I know. And uh, I think with that... We're going to call this a podcast. Yeah, so let's take care of some uh, housekeeping. So as always, you can listen to our podcast on and the rest of our stuff on theglorioblog.com. You can follow us at theglorioblog on Twitter. You can listen to this podcast on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, uh, wherever podcasts are aggregated. Uh, you know, you can uh, listen to it on YouTube as well. Uh, you can mm-hmm. watch um, Legend of the Galactic uh, Heroes on uh, High Dive and VRV. You know, uh, maybe if you got some free time, check out our other podcasts, including the Glorio Chat, where uh, Iro and I rant about Grand Belm for thirty minutes straight. Um, I mean, what the past two podcasts have just been Fire Emblem Three Houses and Grand Belm. Yes, because those are the highlights of the last month or so. Um, if you want to listen to us talk about Evangelion, you can listen to our Neon Genesis Even Glorio. Um, are just, just wrapped up? Yeah, just wrapped up. Um, We've got the end of Even Gloria. Yeah, if you want to listen to these same voices talk about Evangelion for four hours, maybe check that out. <laughs> really, more like three and a half. Fine, fine. Uh, our UK correspondents have started their own podcast, Gloria's King of the Kaiju, where they talk about uh, old school kaiju movies. I think a new one of those just came out recently. Kidora, uh, the three headed monster. Yeah, and I think that's going to do it. So, uh, yeah. Tune in next time for season three wrap up. Yes. So the next podcast you guys are going to be listening to is our season three wrap up podcast. Now, if you've been listening to us this long, you know that like, as always, the first half will be just Eero and I talking about uh, the final episodes of the season. That will be 85 and 86. And then the next section will, we will be bringing on our two uh, regular guests, uh, Jell and Marlin to kind of a, Get the temperature of the room, everybody's thoughts on the season, you know, the highlights, the lowlights, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I suspect that podcast may just end up becoming a pseudo uh, awake for the dearly departed Yang Wen Lee, but you know, we'll, Indeed. I, I am working on some other topics to try and liven that up a little bit. Um, but yeah, please do uh, tune in for that one. Please look forward to that. That's always a fun one. Um, and thank you for listening and commenting. Yeah, yeah. As always, thank you all for listening. Uh, we we appreciate all the comments. Iro, thank you for accompanying me on this journey through through thick and thin, through feast and famine. Mm-hmm. You know, through Sorry life for and death. Times it's today, it's but... fine. It's fine. We're all still we're all still we're all still reeling. You know, we're all still reeling from the events that have happened. And you know, I'm 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 just glad you're still here, Iro. And uh, until next time, we will see you amongst the sea of stars. <laughs>